President Trump won the New Hampshire primary yesterday. The New York Post is reporting that a woman has become pregnant. And Chuck Schumer wants to take away your six milli lip pillies of Zinn nicotine. All of those stories in ascending order of newsworthiness and importance. And more. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. The libs who want all of you smoking the devil's lettuce, who want to legalize the sin spinach, the Haitian oregano, the Peruvian parsley. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about pot. Those same people want to take away your tasty little pouches of salt and nicotine. As far as I can tell, forget the Trump indictments, forget the 2024 election. No issue is more likely to bring America to civil war than the libs taking away the rights. Zin. Okay? No, no issue. The, the American right is extremely peaceful. I think they could go berserk if you try to deport them from Zimbabwe. So we'll get to that very important story in a second. First, though, the far less newsworthy story, the story that we all knew, most of us, the reasonable people knew uh, was going to happen for a long time. President Trump won the New Hampshire primary by a considerable margin. It wasn't a complete and total blowout. It wasn't, you know, 90 to 10 or something. But this is now effectively a two-person race. Ron DeSantis barely showed up in the polls, obviously, because he suspended his campaign a number of days ago. Uh, Trump won 54.6 to 43.1 at last update. The numbers are still going to change as those last votes come in. But that's a sizable margin, and 11 and a half points in a two-man race. Uh, we're told that Trump is this uh, despised figure. He divides the base. We've all heard he's got a ceiling. He can't get above 30% support, 40% support. That's not true. He's got a clear majority of Republican support, even when it comes down to a two-person race, even where there's a clear distinction. Do you want the candidate who's more moderate and more centrist and more friendly, friendlier rather with the Chamber of Commerce and the GOP establishment? Or do you want this crazy populist maniac Donald Trump? Even there, when it's a, a really clear distinction, Trump wins by over 11 points and he's very happy about it. And he gives a victory speech. Today, I have to tell you, it was very interesting because I said, wow, what a great victory. But then somebody ran up to the stage all dressed up nicely <laughs> when it was at seven. But now I just walked up and it's at 14. But, but she ran up when it was seven. And, you know, we have to do what's good for our party. And she was up and I said, wow, she's doing uh, like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. And, you know. Last last week, we had a little bit of a problem. And if you remember, Ron was very upset because she ran up and she pretended she won Iowa. <laughs> and I looked around. I said, didn't she come in third? Yeah, she came in third. So Trump turning up the attacks just a little bit on Nikki Haley. Notice these, by Trump standards, are not vicious attacks at all. This is not Nikki Haley's dad killed JFK, okay? This is not Nikki Haley is the worst politician in America, sold you down the river to the globalists. All he's doing is poking fun 
at her concession speeches because Nikki Haley is an extremely talented politician, and she has framed her concession speeches in Iowa and New Hampshire as quasi-victory speeches. And clearly it's worked. She had a great showing here. 43.6% for a campaign that most people wrote off at the very beginning is impressive. And you know, some of us, hate to say I told you so, but some of us at the beginning said, don't write off Nikki Haley. She's very impressive. She's been able to do very well with the establishment part of the GOP when she was governor of South Carolina. And since she's left the Biden administration, the Trump administration rather, during the Biden administration. Uh, But also she did pretty well when she was working for Trump, when she was UN ambassador with the populist side and the more conservative side and the right wing side. So I said, don't write her off. And there were a lot of great candidates on, on that stage in the early days. Ron DeSantis was considered the real challenge to Donald Trump. And she lasted longer than he did. And she did better in the polls and she's she's going to perform better in the primaries. But still, the numbers just aren't there. New Hampshire was Nikki Haley's best shot. And she did very well. 43.6% is an impressive showing, but it's not good enough. So she has no path to the nomination. And that is why the Republican National Committee, Ronna McDaniel, is calling on her to drop out. I'm looking at the math and the path going forward, and I don't see it for Nikki Haley. I think she's run a great campaign, but I do think there is a message that's coming out from the voters, which is very clear. We need to unite around our eventual nominee, which is going to be Donald Trump, and we need to make sure we beat Joe Biden. It is 10 months away till the November election, and we can't wait any longer to put our foot on the gas, to beat the worst president, to beat a president that's kept our borders open, allowed fentanyl to pour through, allowed inflation to to go rampant. He is hurting the American people, and we need to do everything we can to unite so that we can defeat him. I totally agree with Rana here. I almost totally agree with Rana. I agree it's in the best interests of the RNC for Nikki to drop out and to rally around Trump, who is the presumptive nominee, barring a lightning strike from the sky or from some Democrat, Trump is going to be the nominee. I agree that it's better for the Republican voters. I agree that it's better for the conservative movement. I agree that it's better for the country because it will give uh, Republicans a chance to unite, to win over moderates and independents and maybe some Democrats to conserve their money. You know, every dollar that's spent in a primary that's going nowhere is a dollar that cannot be spent on a general election against Joe Biden. I I agree with Rana there. I don't agree that Republicans absolutely have to do it now. And this is the moment we have no time to waste. I'm, I'm not sure of that. We have a primary for a purpose. And Nikki Haley has every right to stay in this primary as long as she wants. The problem here is all the incentives that the RNC has and the Republican voters have and the conservative movement has, all of those incentives don't line up with Nikki Haley's incentives. Because if I were Rana, I'd be calling for Nikki to drop out. But if I were Nikki, I would not drop out. Nikki Haley has no incentive at this moment to drop out of the race. And so she's not. Now you've all heard the chatter among the political class. They're falling all over themselves saying this race is over. Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. And the next one is my sweet state of South Carolina. At one point in this campaign, there were 14 of us running. And we were at 2% in the polls. Well, I'm a fighter. 
and I'm scrappy. And now we're the last one standing next to Donald Trump. And today we got close to half of the vote. We still have a ways to go, but we keep moving up. All right. What Nikki said here is at least half true. She is scrappy. She did wind up the last person on the stage fighting Donald Trump. She doesn't want to drop out of the race. She Sure. Something she says that isn't true, she says, our next state is South Carolina. That's not true. The next state is Nevada. Nikki Haley's not even on the ballot in Nevada because the Nevada primary slash caucus is divided between a primary and a caucus. And all the Republican candidates chose to participate in the caucus organized by the Republican Party. Nikki Haley chose to participate in the primary that was pushed by Nevada state legislators over the objections of the Republican Party. She's the only person in that primary. So it, it won't count. It won't, it won't help her in any way toward the nomination. But Nikki Haley is not running to beat Donald Trump. It is not possible for Nikki Haley to beat Donald Trump in the primary. And she's a smart woman, so that's not what she's doing. She is staying in this race for other reasons, and those reasons remain likely to serve her. We'll get to that in one second. First, though, I want to talk about something really important, and that's meat. I want to talk about good ranchers. Right now, go to goodranchers.com, code Knowles. If you have not already checked out Good Ranchers New Year New Meat Special, you got to do it right now. When you subscribe to any box of Good Ranchers, they will add over two pounds of pre-trimmed, better-than-organic chicken breasts to your order for free. Not once, not twice, but on every order for a year. I am actually really upset with Good Ranchers right now. And it's nothing that they've done. It's entirely my fault, but it involves Good Ranchers, which is I subscribe to, to a very large box of Good Ranchers every month. You know, it's me, sweet little Elisa, the two boys, you know, when we're... I'm of Italian extraction. My little boys, you know, he eats a lot. And, and so I get, I ran out. I ran out this month. And so I had to eat non-Good Ranchers meat. And I'm sure I could have texted them. I could have ordered another, but, but I, it was deeply upsetting. This happened almost a week ago. I'm still thinking about it. Don't make the mistake I did. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Knowles right now. Enjoy free chicken in 2024, plus an additional 20 bucks off your order, and, and order a, a two times bigger box than you think you're going to want. Change the way you buy meat by switching to the best out there, Good Ranchers. Code Knowles, claim over 200 bucks in free chicken. Save big this new year. GoodRanchers.com, American meat delivered. Nikki Haley has no incentive to drop out of this race because she might wind up the number two person. And historically, the GOP allows the number two person to become the nominee in the next cycle. We're in a weird cycle right now where President Trump is running for a non-consecutive second term. We haven't seen anything like that for over 100 years. But in prior cycles, uh, in 2008, Mitt Romney was the number two guy. 2012, he becomes the nominee. In 2000, at the beginning of the Bush term, John McCain was the number two guy. In 2008, he becomes the Republican nominee. Bob Dole had been running for president in uh, since, what, 1980 or earlier? 1996, Bob Dole, he paid his dues. He, he worked real hard. He becomes the Republican nominee. 1992, obviously, George, w, George H. W. Bush was the number two guy in 1980, at the beginning of the Reagan term. He became vice president. A lot of the conservatives didn't even like George Bush. He was, he was a compromise candidate to unite the party. 
Pat Buchanan primaried him as the conservative candidate. There were there were a lot of conservatives who who really didn't like him, and yet he gets the tap. 1976, the number two guy was Ronald Reagan. 1980, he becomes the nominee. And on and on and on. So Nikki's saying, okay, maybe I could be the number two person, and then I could be the nominee. Or maybe I could seem like the alternative for the Republican Party. Or maybe I could just raise my profile. Or maybe I could do this, or maybe I could do that. She's got a ton of money from the Koch Network. She's already put herself on the outs with the Trump administration. I don't think there's any world in which Trump hires her for some cabinet post. Because she worked for him, she was popular there, then she turned on him, he got angry about that, then she supported him again, then she turned on him again to run. I just don't think he's going to hire her again. So what's, why not? It's kind of just a free option for her. She basically only can gain, she has very, very little to lose. Unless Trump goes scorched earth on her, but he's probably not going to because she doesn't represent a real threat. So he's going to remain largely focused on Joe Biden. Now, much more important story than whatever's going on in the GOP race. These little guys, these little six milli lip pillies, you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about Zinn. Chuck Schumer, top Democrat out there in the Senate, one of the leading Democrats in this country for decades. He wants to take away your tasty little nicotine pouches. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is calling for federal action to crack down on a product called Zen. He says the nicotine pouches pose a danger to teens as they use them as an alternative to e-cigarettes. Pouch packed with problems, high levels of nicotine. So today I'm delivering a warning to parents because these nicotine pouches seem to lock their sights on young kids, teenagers and even lower, and then use the social media to hook them. Senator Schumer is urging the FTC and the FDA to investigate Zen for concerns relating to marketing and health effects. We reached out to Zen for comment, but have not yet heard back. I agree with almost everything Senator Schumer just said. These little nicotine pouches, they can pack a punch. Some of them just basically have the same dose of nicotine as a single cigarette. But some, it's more like three cigarettes or four cigarettes or more. So I, I agree. I'm not the leader of Zimbabwe, okay? I didn't lead a revolution in Rhodesia to become the leader of that state. I'm not the prime minister of Zindia. I'm not, I'm not even the mayor of Cincinnati. But I've popped in a nice little lip pilly every now and again, and it's amazing. I, you f- I think that's actually what Neuralink will feel like. It feels like you're just taking an electrical charge and plugging it into your brainstem, and then all your synapses fire on again, and you just start working. I have a friend of mine who is now hopelessly addicted to Zinn. He says that that substance makes him a better husband and a better father. And now he no longer needs these trivialities, these silly little things like sleep. He can just stay awake all the time and be very productive. And it's, uh, But so I agree. It's extremely addictive. Young people are getting hooked on it. I to- And I'm not, I'm not saying that's good, but I'm just a little confused that Chuck Schumer is coming after the Zinn because Chuck Schumer here just about a year and a half ago, partnered up with other top Democrats in the Senate to try to legalize pot. The Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act, this comprehensive legislation, would end federal cannabis prohibition by removing cannabis from the Controlled Substances Act. Empower states to create their own cannabis laws. Ensure federal regulation. Protect public safety and health. How are you going to, you're going to protect public safety and health 
by legalizing, by encouraging a substance that not only is a gateway to other harder drugs, but just in itself makes people really fat and dumb and slow and is extremely addictive, even though all the potheads say it's not addictive at all. But these are the, the people who always insist that marijuana is not addictive are the ones who wake and bake and just rip the old California cumin. I don't know. I'm running out of terms for pot, but they, they do it all day long. It's, oh man, it's not addictive. <laughs> I could quit any time and it's my whole personality. <laughs> it cures every disease, man. <laughs> and, and Chuck Schumer wants to legalize that. If you legalize pot, who do you think is going to use it? You think it's just going to be a granny for the first time is going to spark up a bong? No, I think kids largely are going to use it in exactly the same way that kids are now testing out these Zen packets. I don't think that's a good thing, but why is Schumer okay with one and not the other? Tucker had a great monologue on this a while ago. I don't think he was the first person to point it out, but he articulated what a lot of us were thinking, which is that today, marijuana is left-coded. Marijuana is a thing that libs do. I know there are plenty plenty of people who listen to this show who love just puffing on the old devil's lettuce, but broadly speaking, it's a left-wing thing. And broadly speaking, nicotine is a right-wing thing. The cigars and the pipes and even the cigarettes today are a right-wing thing. Yes, there are people on the left who smoke tobacco and use nicotine. Mostly it's right-wing. You think of some, you know, a big cowboy hat wearing good old boy from the down south wearing, wearing spurs on his boots and packing a big fat lucky lipper of dip. That's not a left-wing person. That's not some vegan lesbian in Brooklyn. That's a right-winger. So that's how it's coded now. And Chuck Schumer supports the left-wing substance. And the left-wing substance, coincidentally, makes you kind of lazy and dumb and passive, as Tucker noted in his viral monologue. And the right-wing substance makes you more alert. It makes you uh, think more quickly and more clearly. It, it uh, keeps you up so that you can do more work. It's, it's, not, it's not a party drug. <laughs> you know, it's not the sort of thing where you just put on some stupid cartoon and eat a bowl of ice cream. When, you, you know, when, you, when you're throwing in Zen packets or even ripping cigarettes or something like that, it's, it, the image you get is someone who's, who's frenetic. It's, it's someone who's, who's really active. And, and that's a right-wing thing. That's why. And so the reason that Schumer and the Democrats are going after this, I think, is not even just because they, in part, it's because they want to encourage people to be passive and lazy and dumb. But e- even more than that, it's because they want to support their own taboos. And they want to oppose the right-wing taboos. They want to support their own standards. They want to oppose the right-wing standards. This is the exact same point I've made with free speech, notably in my book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. Thank you. The battle here is not between free speech on the one hand and censorship on the other. It's about competing sets of standards and norms. It's the same thing with the substances. I don't even really like Zen. I mean, I'm making a lot of Zen puns right now, but I don't like any addictive substances, really. I don't have an addictive personality. I love cigars, but I, I, I am not just saying I could quit anytime. I actually have quit for very long periods, and you don't feel any physical drive. I like it, but you take them or leave them. Okay, tobacco has, uh, there's a good piece by the theologian Mike Foley who points out that tobacco uh, relates in a way to the tripartite soul. The, the tobacco pipe 
That's like the logical part of your soul. You think of the philosopher. You think of the stem and the bowl, the male and the female. Then the cigars, they're the thumatic part of the soul. You know, they relate to the chest. You puff it out. You don't really inhale it ever. And cigarettes, and I guess you'd include zin and dip in that, that's more the appetitive part of the soul. I don't like the appetitive stuff. I don't like anything that's really addictive. But I would much rather live in a culture that exalts working hard and being more alert and being more conscious and uh, uh, being more fastidious about your work than a culture that supports the Chum gang and munchies and giggling at stupid cartoons and getting fat and voting for Democrats. And that's what it's about. That's what it comes down to for Schumer. He wants to, he wants to su- oppose the right-wing substances, promote the left-wing substances, oppose the right-wing rituals, support the left-wing rituals, because if you create a culture that is left-wing, you're going to get more left-wing voters. Now, speaking of pharmaceuticals, shocking breaking news. If you're driving, pull over. If you're standing up, please sit down. The New York Post is reporting that a woman has become pregnant. Yes. Yes, that's true. The headline here is a little different, but it means the same thing I just said. Trans man who had mastectomy discovered to be five months pregnant making rare seahorse dad. That's the New York Post. I love the New York Post, but what on earth does that mean? Trans man, okay, that means woman, who had a mastectomy, so who chopped her breasts off, is pregnant. But women who have mastectomies can become pregnant. That doesn't, that's not the female body part that, you know, relates to conceiving a child in your womb. Uh, discovered to be five months pregnant, making rare seahorse, a seahorse dad. They call this woman a seahorse dad because they believe in transgenderism, I guess. So they think a man can become a woman. So she's not a mother. She's a father. And they, uh, it, seahorses are apparently one of the few species in which the men carry the babies. But this woman is exactly as much a seahorse as she is a man. She's 0% of either She's a woman, and there's nothing surprising here at all. So everyone's laughing about this. Probably every single right-winger has mentioned this on some social media platform or on on a podcast or a TV show or something. Uh, And it's funny, I guess. But there's something really not funny about it, which is this woman is injecting herself with all sorts of hormones that are totally changing her biochemistry. They're very dangerous. And she's doing that while she has a baby inside her. I hope she's stopped. I I hope they've cut this off, but I'm not totally sure that they have. And in fact, some doctors are are advocating that she go so far as to kill her baby to continue to live out her fantasy that she's a man. We'll get to that in one second. First though, speaking of really good clean substances, you got to check out Woke Tears Water. Are you sick of companies trying to turn you into a big lib It seems like this leftism, this wokeism is everywhere. It's in the air we breathe. It's even in the water we drink. And that is why there is a new hydration product out there to help protect you from the libs. And that is Woke Tears Water. Maybe took a little inspiration from our Tumblr. Woke Tears Water is a new brand of drinking water bottled right here in the United States by people who know what a woman is. Made from pure melted snowflakes. Hmm? See what we did there? Woke tears, they don't see color. That's why they self-identify as transparent, the most transparent water in the world. While everyone else's water is just water, woke tears provides a refreshing gulp 
of laughter in a world thirsty for sanity. Not only will Woke Tears keep you hydrated, but you will always have a conversation starter. If you want to try Woke Tears Water, visit woketearswater.com. Indulge today in laughter and hydration, two of the most important things in life. Woketearswater.com today. Lady Ballers is the hilarious story of a group of male losers who can't win against other men and decide to identify as women to join a women's basketball league. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's laughable. Laughable is a synonym for ridiculous. Yes, it's happening right now in the world. Here's a quick look at what is being called the most triggering movie of the decade. Leftists are losing it over Lady Ballers. Nothing's changed. This movie is a straight-up and intentional transphobic hate crime. What? I see you. The Lady Ballers movie needs to be banned. I'll cancel you. I get the blinds, please. Code 11. The most toxic BS you've ever seen. You're a monster. Yeah. Next level hate speech propaganda. That's it. That's the pitch. Watch the most triggering comedy of the decade. <laughs> Lady Ballers, streaming exclusively on Daily Wire Plus. I like that new trailer with all of the very complimentary reviews on it. Don't wait. Watch Lady Ballers, the movie that Hollywood did not make, so we did exclusively on Daily Wire Plus now. The hormones that this trans-identifying lady, I guess seahorse-identifying lady now, according to the New York Post, that she is taking pose a major risk to her baby. So according to a consultant at a gender dysphoria clinic in Palermo, pause right there. They have gender dysphoria clinics in Palermo, the hometown of, of my people on my mother's side. In Sicily, they're promoting transgenderism. I'm not surprised they do this craziness in the UK or in France, or in some of the other countries that have fallen. But even, not only Italy, in Sicily, the Africa of Europe, they're pushing this kind of nonsense? That's very, very sad. According to Matilde Vigneri, a consultant at this Sicilian gender dysphoria clinic, psychological stress from this unusual maternity, nothing unusual about it, unusual behavior from the mother, but nothing unusual about a woman becoming pregnant, could justify a therapeutic abortion. A therapeutic abortion. you got to add that one to the list of the most Orwellian terms you've ever heard. Therapeutic abortion? What on earth could that possibly mean? A therapeutic murder of an innocent. <laughs> not therapeutic for the innocent. Not therapeutic for the murderer either. That's something that will live with them for the rest of their lives, probably cause them immense trauma and guilt. If Marco's pregnancy, I guess this woman goes by Marco. If Marco's pregnancy goes ahead, Marco will find himself, lol, to be both a biological mother and a legal father, according to this gender dysphoria consultant. It will be a shock. Here, same-sex families are still without rights. Just imagine a child born in such special circumstances. I'm imagining a child being born. You're imagining killing a child. And when you're not imagining killing that child, you're imagining encouraging that child's mother to take all sorts of insane hormones that are obviously very, very unhealthy, very dangerous for the little child developing in the womb and for the mother herself. If you've ever been pregnant, if your wife has ever been pregnant, you know every little thing can affect that baby. Pregnant mothers who are concerned not just for their own sexual fantasies, but concerned about their child, 
They won't drink a certain type of water because they're afraid it's going to hurt the baby. They won't eat a certain kind of cereal because they say, oh, the cereal's got a chemical or it's got too much sugar and I don't want to hurt the baby. And here you have a woman injecting herself with cross-sex hormones, which are extremely unhealthy for her, while pregnant. Even if she didn't know she was pregnant at the time, well, it was possible that she could become pregnant. And a doctor saying, oh, yeah, isn't it so sad? It's going to cause a lot of stress for the mom. She should probably kill that baby. What a backwards culture we have ended up in. You know, it's it's a funny headline. In a way, it's a funny story in a really, really dark way. But it's just yet another it's, a, it's another reminder that the rot at the heart of the story, the thing that unites all of these kinds of news stories, is that we've not only perverted our culture a little bit, we've totally inverted it. And when it comes to a child, when we talk about reproductive rights, the only person with any genuine rights in reproduction is the baby. And yet we invert that. We say that the baby's the only person without any rights. So evil. So it, w- it would be... Hilarious if there weren't so much suffering involved, if we weren't so completely backwards. This is society without any self-control. According to a video that has gone viral, self-control now is colonialism. One of the many ways that colonial mental health, wellness, self-help culture shows up in our society is through the framework of control, power, and domination. And the way that that looks like is using verbiage like, we just need to be able to control our thoughts, our feelings, our mind, our bodies. This idea that you need to force yourself into a state of discomfort in order to regulate your emotions. Ultimately, this extends into the medical and psychiatric industrial complex where these very tools of force are used as an extension of policing, of coloniality, of systems of oppression that are at play. Tactics of domination can never be used to heal from complex trauma and ongoing forms of trauma that the marginalized are experiencing on an everyday basis. And it becomes dangerous when we conflate things like regulating our emotions with controlling them. This is a totally wrong view of psychology, the field and what goes on in your head. But I really like this video because I love being proven right. Even if I hate to say I told you so, I love being proven right. And in, in this case, I've said for years now that the, the left-wing version of liberation, it's going to start out with talking about systems of oppression and colonialism and the patriarchy and society. But what it's really going to come down to is a much more radical liberation, not just from some political order, not just from some system of laws. It's going to be a, a radical liberation from morality and from self-control and from the self itself. And that's exactly what this woman is saying. She's saying, if you are told to control yourself at all, it's a, a form of oppression. I, I, in a way, I guess it, it's limits. It's placing limits on certain desires so that you have the freedom to enact other desires. Yeah, it's, it, it, it does restrict certain things because you can't really be free if you don't restrict certain things. If you don't restrict your intake of heroin, you're not going to be free to not be addicted to heroin and to go do other things. That's totally true. She says, any form of psychology that makes you uncomfortable is oppressive and bad. She has a static view of comfort 
Part of, I agree that there are all sorts of problems in the psychological profession, obviously, but psychology at its very, very best, counseling at its very, very best, just discipline at its very, very best, is not going to make you feel uncomfortable all the time. It's going to make you feel uncomfortable at first because you've got a problem. That's why you're going to see the psychologist. It's going to make you feel uncomfortable at first, and then it's going to change what gives you comfort and what gives you discomfort. People who have psychological problems get comfort from perverted things that harm them. And so they go to a psychologist to try to change that. Comfort just means to give you strength, right? And and so sometimes we need a little tough love. And that will make us feel a little less comfortable. But in a deeper sense, it will give us much more strength. If if you have some really perverse desire, you know, you're a... I don't know, you're a, you're a masochist. Let's say you're an anorexic and you go to the psychologist. You say, I get comfort from starving myself. You say, well, yeah, that maybe that makes you feel good because you've got a perverted psychology, but it's going to kill you if you don't fix it. So what you've got to do is shift what you understand to be good and what you understand to be bad, shift your perception of reality, which is currently defective, and desire good things, and then those good and true things will give you comfort. Eating a sandwich will give you some comfort being a healthy body weight will give you some comfort. That's what you've got to do to shift things. Ab- absolutely the case. But but we have this radical view of liberation now, including on the right, that says freedom is just do whatever the heck you want, whatever that even means. And so this, this was always where that kind of view of freedom was going to end up. We, can, we can't control anything anymore. The president of the United States can't control his own... Voice. This is the soaring and sophisticated rhetoric today coming out from the president. We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the women in America unless you want to get the benefit. Trump and at least Biden still has the he has the intonation to some degree. He's still got the, the physical movements, the politician gesticulations. He just doesn't speak coherently anymore. He was never, you know, he was never Pericles, but he doesn't, he doesn't even speak intelligibly anymore. So it's like a baby. (laughs) It's kind of sad, but it's, there's something almost cute about it. You know, when you got a little baby and the baby's learning to talk and the baby will mimic your face, facial expressions and your intonation and your, and your, your, uh, dynamics and volume. So say, what's your, but give me a good little baby. That's that's the president. Can we play it one more time? I just I want to see if there's any lesson I can take away there. We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the women in America unless you want to get the benefit. Don't okay. Don't mess with the women of America unless you want to. Part of this could be physical too, because Biden obviously uh, has artificial teeth. And that's no knock on it. Our, our first president, arguably our greatest president, had artificial teeth too. So, But his are not, they're not glued in the right way. So sometimes that's what's kind of messing him up. And I think it's probably goes a little deeper than that too. But as a reminder, this is the guy at the top. This is the leader of the country. We, we, we comfort ourselves, even those of us on the right who recognize that all the the grassroots of the left has gone totally crazy. And all the snowflakes on the college campuses, they've gone totally crazy. And even now the corporations, they've gone totally crazy. But, you know, at least there are some adults in charge, right? 
No. <laughs> and no, there, there, are, there are no adults in charge. The uh, degree of institutional knowledge and self, individual and political discipline that we are losing every single day is immense. And uh, once it reaches a turning point, we're just not really going to have a country anymore. Which is why people are taking things into their own hands at the more local level. The Texas National Guard has responded to a Supreme Court ruling which uh, ruled that the Biden administration is permitted to tear down modest border fencing that the Texas National Guard had erected to try to stop the foreign invasion into Texas, to try to protect Texas's territorial integrity. The Texas National Guard has responded by rebuilding the fence. I love this. This is so great. Biden won't enforce the border. Biden actually encourages foreign nationals to flood across into our country, into Texas in large part, uh, because it, it will give him more votes down the line. Record numbers. Never seen anything like it in America. Twice what we saw under Obama. And Texas says, okay, you're not going to enforce the border. We're going to build a little fence. And then Biden orders his feds to go in and tear down the fencing. He wants to make it easier for the foreign nationals to invade the country run by the cartels, by the way. We're not even just talking about, you know, a a nice young family fleeing poverty. We're talking about the the cartels. So he tears that down. And then Texas says, okay, cool. That's great that you made your uh, decision, Supreme Court. We're going to put it back up again. This is how the country was set up. You you know, you're going to hear the libs say, Texas doesn't support the rule of law. They're a threat to our sacred democracy. No, Texas... What Texas is doing is far more in line with the founding vision of America than anything you've seen out of Washington in recent years. Texas is enacting federalism, subsidiarity, protecting that which is most local, most dear. Why do we have a federal system in America? Why do we have power reserved, at least in theory, to the states and the counties and the townships and the local communities and the family, ultimately? Because of a deeper principle called subsidiarity according to which we know that people are going to be most accountable to things that are near to them, that are dear to them, their family and their extended family, you know, their tribe, their kin, their community, their state. They're going to be much less accountable to the, to the national government, and the national government's going to be much less accountable to them. So we're going to try to keep power at as local a level as possible, at, at the sort of level at which that power can be efficiently and justly wielded. Texas is doing that. I hope more more states follow suit. My favorite coming yesterday is from El Skeletor, 3566, who says, if I were Texas, I would ignore the ruling just like Andrew Jackson did. Hey, great point and good timing, actually, because that was the story I just got to. Uh, Yes, Andrew Jackson, perhaps he really said it. I always thought it was maybe apocryphal uh, when... Uh, Justice, Chief Justice Marshall on the Supreme Court ruled against him. He said, Justice Marshall has made his decision. Now let him enforce it. And whether Jackson said it or not, uh, it is a reminder that there are checks and balances. There is a division of power, and not just at the federal level, but among the feds, the national guys, you know, and the states and local government. And the local and state governments should step up. Really beautiful. I can't wait to see that big, beautiful, completed wall, 30 miles of fencing down there in Texas. Speaking of works of art, I'm torn today. I'm torn. I'm, I'm elated, but I'm 
also a little bit upset. Why am I elated? Ryan Gosling has received a Best Supporting Actor nomination at the Oscars, which nobody watches, and nobody watches 90% of the movies that are even nominated at the Oscars this year, but we all saw Barbie. And some people hated Barbie, like my colleague down in Boca Raton, because he didn't understand the movie. And some of us who did understand the movie loved Barbie because it's a conservative masterpiece and the the most clearly anti-feminist movie since Greta Gerwig's first movie called Lady Bird. I didn't see Little Women. That might count too. So Ryan Gosling, for all of his Kennergy that was teeming out of him, maybe he had some of those little nicotine pouches. I don't know. He gets the nomination. Margot Robbie, who did a great job in the movie, gets snubbed for Best Actress. Worse still, Greta Gerwig, one of my favorite current directors, and I, I watch very few movies, so she, you know, maybe she'll be the only director I'll watch for a year, or one of three. But Greta Gerwig, arguably the most conservative and Christian director working in Hollywood today, at the Hollywood level, and in that depraved place, Gamora by the Sea, some of us call it. She got snubbed as well for Best Director. I think that's outrageous. Some people think I'm joking or trolling because they think that Barbie is really woke or whatever. It's not. It's really not. I actually don't see how one can watch Barbie paying even a modicum of attention and come away thinking that that is a left-wing movie. It's not. It's not even a kid's movie, by the way. Some people said, I'm not going to watch Barbie because it's a kid's movie selling toys. It's not even a kid's movie. But, But I see why some are confused. Barbie is a movie for adults masquerading as a kid's movie that has a conservative message masquerading as a woke polemic. There are all these lines in the movie about feminism and the patriarchy and, you know, and that's all people hear, but they're not paying attention to the context of those lines. The lines are ironic. Barbie land, which is this feminist fantasy, is a fantasy It's a bad place. There's something rotten and broken about it. And the protagonist, here's a spoiler alert, chooses to leave and go to the real world, the world supposedly dominated by men. Here's another spoiler alert. The movie opens with girls being nice and playing with their little dolls and loving their little baby dolls. And then Barbie comes along, the Barbie toy phenomenon, and the girls start killing their babies and becoming feminists. The whole thing is presented as a, this is a feminist revolution, and it leads to women killing their babies. And then at the end of the movie, big spoiler alert, the protagonist chooses to leave Barbie land specifically because she wants to have a baby. She has a a conversation with the God character, the Rhea Perlman character who created her, and she has a vision of the future that she wants. And the vision is pretty much just her being a mom and having kids. And so she leaves Barbie land. And the, f- the final funny scene of the movie is she, she's waiting in a, in a little reception area in some nondescript office building. And you all think, okay, this is Barbie leaving the fantasy world to go get a job and go be the real Barbie, you know, be the real feminist. And she's not. She says, I'm here to see my gynecologist. The, even the very final joke is, no, I'm not going to go be a career woman. No, I'm not going to go be this feminist icon. I'm going to be a mom. So anyway, I've got much more to say about Barbie, but it's just clearly conservative. (laughs) I don't know any, sometimes I will grant you, I read a little deeply into things and I, I try to admit it when I do. This one, I just think you could be, 
You don't need to have read the collected works of Edmund Burke to recognize this has a conservative message to it. So what does it mean that they got snubbed? I think it actually buttresses my argument because it's a it's a very popular movie and it's kind of conservative and maybe that's why it got snubbed. It is at least funny. I'm not sure that that's the reason. Maybe there were other internal politics in Hollywood. It is at least funny that the Ken character is trying to advance the patriarchy within the feminist utopia of Barbie land. And uh, Ken is the only one who gets the nomination. <laughs> that's Kennergy, patriarchy, undefeated. But, but that question is even grappled with in the movie. Highly recommended. Highly recommended that you go see that movie. Speaking of a return to patriarchy, there is a terrific bill coming out of Oklahoma. A bill that would ban pornography, which is something that pretty much everyone wants. Other than the perverts and the weirdos, everyone wants this. And everyone has wanted to ban or severely curtail pornography forever. It's not a Republican thing. It's not a Democrat thing. Forever. Obscenity, pornography, was banned in America for most of our history, in most places. And then even in the 90s, when the internet came out and, and lawmakers had to grapple with this new technological problem, both parties came together to regulate and severely limit pornography. They did it through two pieces of legislation, the Communications Decency Act, which is where you get the Section 230 that protects big tech companies in some ways from uh, oversight, and in the Child Online Protection Act both passed by Republicans, Democrats, signed by Bill Clinton. It was just some libs on the court who shot it down and pretended that there was a First Amendment right to weird, hardcore porn. But most Americans forever have recognized that there's no right to watching perverts degrade women on camera so that other perverts can degrade themselves in a dark room. It's, it's just... It's degrading. It's not conducive to human flourishing. And so there's a lawmaker in Oklahoma state senator who would make watching porn a felony and ban sexting among people who are not married. So some are saying, okay, maybe the guy's gone a little far. And, you know, maybe it's a little aggressive, but he's starting a negotiation here, okay? And his position is far closer to the traditional American view of these things. His position, which is, what is he really saying? He's saying, hey, discourage people from being perverts and discourage people from committing adultery. That has been the law in America. It's certainly been the cultural norm in America, and in every reasonable country for all of history. His position is much closer to the reasonable one than the position of the liberals who say, yeah, go out, cheat on your wives, have a throuple, chop off your body parts, and be a pervert all the time. It, this state senator, Dusty Deavers, much, much closer to reality. How are we going to get this across for those of us who recognize that, at least in principle, this, this law is a good thing? We're going to need to make some new coalitions. We're going to lose some of the libertarians. Some of the libertarians are going to support us. We're going to lose some of them. We're going to lose a lot of Democrats, especially these days. Some of the Democrats are going to support us. But speaking of Barbie and confusion about feminism and what feminism even means, conservatives should ally with the feminists here. Not all the feminists. The sex-positive feminists are lost. But feminism used to be deeply anti-pornography. Sex-negative feminism was a major strain of feminism, and they opposed it because pornography exploits and degrades women. Always. All the time. And some of it is particularly degrading and particularly violent, even. 
The conservatives, this is not just some pie in the sky, wouldn't it be nice if we could work with the feminists? We did this on the trans issue. The traditional conservatives lost some libertarians on the trans issue, but we allied with the TERFs, the trans-exclusionary radical feminists, and we've been immensely successful. We have gone a decent way, not the whole way, we still have a lot of work to do, but we've gone a decent way toward uh, eradicating transgenderism from public life entirely, the whole preposterous ideology at every level for the good of society and especially for the good of the poor people who have fallen prey to that confusion. We did that with a weird political coalition that included a group traditionally considered on the left and, and feminist, but they were on our side on this issue. Same thing could happen with porn and we should do it. The rest of the show continues now. You don't want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. See you over there.